Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to be discussing an article titled When Drought-Stressed Pastures Look Dormant in July. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Carla Wilkie, who's a Nebraska Extension Cow-Calf Systems and Stocker Management Specialist. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Dr. Wilkie, as we record this, we're sitting here, it's early part of August actually, and we're really seeing a lot of pastures look like they would normally look, say, in October. And they're dormant, there's not much green or growth out there. That's impacting a number of things as we think about those pastures, both the quality and quantity of forage that's there. Talk through with us as we think about current circumstances and we think about different types of cow-calf pairs that are out there. What are some things we might want to look at and take take an examination of as we think about what our options are with current pasture conditions? So if producers have moved to more of an April-May type calving situation, which um, as you and I have discussed before, you know, a lot of people have backed that down to a little more of a, a later spring calving. So if you have a May calving cow, then she's with the bull right now. And there's a lot being demanded of a cow right now that is being required to um, lactate and then also cycle. And if she's on pretty poor quality pastures, as we've discussed that this July, August, things are looking pretty rough out there, then she could be in a declining of nutrition and that could cause her to stop cycling and that could have a pretty bad impact on our open rates this fall. So let's think about what our options are. Obviously across much of the state they've opened up CRP for grazing and so there's some folks who are utilizing that. Uh, Some folks may be in a situation where they're needing to provide some additional protein and energy on pasture. Talk through with us some things to think through with that. What are some options to consider? Some things to be aware of. So the CRP pasture is a good point to bring out because while it is being released, it's pretty poor quality. So people may be looking at supplementing on pasture. And, you know, there is research that's been done that shows that if you provide a high enough level of of supplement that there is some forage replacement in that. But we need to talk about that a little bit because a lot of that research has shown that if you if you were supplementing yearlings out on pasture at 0.6% of their body weight on a dry matter basis, so just under 1%. So if he's a 700 pounder, just under 1% to be, you know, maybe six pounds of dry matter of supplement, you can get some forage replacement in that. But it's only going to be 10 to 12% on better quality pasture. Maybe it's 20% on this poor quality. So if you look at that and you're talking about a pair and that pair is 1300 pounds together, or maybe they're more than that, maybe they're 15, you know, and their dry matter intake together is 30 pounds of dry matter. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, we may be talking about supplying eight pounds of supplement to save three pounds of forage. And that's, that's an expensive way to manage drought. So I want people to understand that just providing, you know, a protein and energy supplement out there can certainly improve the body condition score of those animals. But um, as far as forage replacement goes, that's a much lower rate than they may be expecting that they're going to get if that's all they do with the supplement. As we think about things like CRP or even some of this rangeland that 
is really pretty dormant. We're really thinking more about quality in some cases being more like October, November, December. Is that correct? Yes, I, I think it, it is probably um, what I've seen of it's brown. There's no green to it. It's, it's very dead. And so there's not much out there. Um, another way to go about maybe replacing some of that, both from a quality standpoint and to actually get them to eat what you put out there in place of the pasture, maybe to mix um, some really poor quality um, roughage like residues or something with some wet distillers and, and then feed that mixture while they're out there on the pasture. And so there's been quite a bit of research done on that. And they've tried different combinations of 50-50, um, 60-40, 30-70 on a dry matter basis for like 30% wet distiller, 70% wheat straw uh, on a dry matter basis. is actually works out to be about a 50-50 on an as-is basis. That got almost a one-to-one -one ratio of replacement. When you start using a little more digestible forages or you try to put less roughage in it, um, they got as low as uh, 0.22 pounds um, replaced, uh, and the average ended up being about 44%. So there's two things at stake here. There's preserving those pastures for future use, and then there's trying to keep these cows in decent enough condition to, to breed. So we think about this, obviously, we're thinking about, in many cases, if we're thinking about April, May calves, uh, some of those calves may be 60, 70 days old a little young to early wean. I know weaning is going to be uh, something we'll talk about in another podcast, but as we think about just where we're at, uh, give us some perspective of what would be an advantage of feeding on pasture versus going to a dry lot scenario. So that very young calf that may only be 60 days old, if he's a Mayborn calf, can be kind of hard to keep in a confinement pen, depending on how the producer is set up. But if they typically don't do a lot of confinement feeding, they may not really be set up for it. So the calf uh, may be able to crawl through the fences, crawl through the bunk, may not be able to reach the bunk well, may not be able to reach the water well. And so what might work better for that producer is to do some confinement feeding. So taking this diet that we can try to prevent them from grazing and, and, um, and use this diet and feed it either in bunks that they put out in the pasture where cattle can access both sides of them so they don't have to have as much bunk space. We can feed some of it on the ground or move the cattle to a, a residue field like uh, they just took wheat off, you know, maybe you put up hot fence, you stick the cows out there. And if you feed on the ground, then that calf can also reach that. And that rumen development is is really important right now. The, another thing it does for you is buy you a little time before you do have to sell or wean, because when you if you take pairs to the sale barn, you're banking on somebody else not being in a drought and then being able to take the pair, or the cow's going to go to way up and then the calf's going to be sold separately. And a lot of people aren't set up to deal with a sixty day old calf, so. Being able to get that calf up to about 90 days at least, maybe this is a way that you can do it. Um, also maybe gives the calf a little opportunity to continue to nibble at some grass. I know the quality is not really there, but calves are pretty selective. So so maybe that baby's getting a little more out of that than maybe the cow is. 
Dr. Wilkie, any other things you think producers might consider as we evaluate where we're at with these pastures that are are dormant and, and just some options to think through? You know, doing the numbers on it, because this is an expensive drought we're in because we're about in the third year of it. And so there's there's very expensive residues. There's very expensive haze. There's very expensive alfalfa. There's pretty expensive distillers. There's, um, you know, commodities are high. So I think it's important that people evaluate if I put feed into these cattle, what value am I going to get a return on that when I do go to sell that calf? Because if if you can't make it pencil out, then as much as nobody wants to have to sell the genetics that they've worked on in their cow herd, you can't put so much feed into them that, that you can't get it back out either. So do the math. Yeah, I think that's an important piece. And I guess, you know, your comment there about genetics is we think about a calf, again, these early weaned calves like calves, they're pretty efficient. I mean, obviously have high nutritional requirements, but also when we look at the amount of feed they take and and conversions, they're pretty efficient. So I guess some things I might encourage people to do is, you know, if you're having to buy in high quality feed, there is the option of trying to keep heifer calves and and that's, you know, your genetic resource going forward, maybe needing to let go of some older cows, but the option basically of you know, the feed that would needed for one cow could feed two calves. And so those are hard decisions, not easy things to think through, but might be something to consider as you're thinking about preserving genetics. Yes. And I think the other thing that people uh, maybe don't realize is that even though that calf is nursing that cow, he's still probably eating one and a half to 2% of his body weight in forage out there on the pasture. So if early weaning is a thing you can do, you need to consider that taking that calf out of there is um, is going to save some on that pasture as well. So yeah, you're right. No easy decisions, but um, lots of stuff to think about. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, there are a number of resources on this topic.